0: In today's organization, we're we're put in such static roles, and there's such a static path, and it's more often than not you commit yourself, your entire self, to a a single organization. Where we are much more rich people with higher ranges of interest and activities, and imagine a future where I can explore all those different areas. And I can make a living doing that. That's a very exciting interpretation of the future. And I think it will be difficult to get there. Some people will, some people won't, but I think it's really interesting to think about that possibility. Welcome to the Unlearned Podcast, where host Barry O'Reilly seeks to synthesize the superpowers of extraordinary individuals to think big, start small, and learn fast. Here's your host, Barry O'Reilly.
1: Welcome to the Unlearn Podcast. On this show, I'm delighted to be joined by Alison McCauley. Now, Alison has worked to raise awareness and understanding of the new possible, unlocked by blockchain technology, and how it translates to the next area of the web, Web3. In 2018, she authored the best-selling book, Unblocked. In fact, it's when I first met each other, both in San Francisco, I had just written Unlearn, and we sat down and figured out how we might work together. She's a keynote speaker at conferences all over the world. Her articles appear in HBR, Forbes, VentureBeat, and over 70,000 students have taken her course on LinkedIn on how blockchains will change business. Today, she's chief advocacy officer for Unfinished and founder of Unblocked Future, a strategy firm that helps emerging tech pioneers with thought leadership and go to market. She has degrees in psychology, sociology, and organizational behavior from Stanford University. In short, she knows a lot and has done a lot. But let's figure out how she got started and first found her way into this world.
0: I had been working in emerging technology for several decades. And a client talked to me about doing a pivot to the blockchain space. And I was pretty skeptical to hear this because it sounded, I just didn't really understand why And I certainly didn't understand what the technology made possible. So I sat down with an engineer from the company and grilled them. And after the course of a couple of hours, I saw that there was potential, what I think of as like seeds of change in this technology that I felt were a perfect match for these various pools of discontent we had in our digital world where we give up our data and then it becomes someone else's, it's not ours, or a lack of transparency or an inequitable distribution of value in our digital lives, I just saw a perfect match. And I remember that day walking out on the sidewalk and being almost dizzy and a little confused. It was a sunny day. Why are people acting like this is a normal day? There are so many interesting things happening. And I pretty much dropped everything in that moment and immersed in learning everything I could because I was so fascinated about where this could go.
1: It's really interesting to hear you describe that so vividly. I think people have a few of those moments where you're really struck by something and you're sort of looking around at like passersby wondering like, why aren't they experiencing this sort of eureka in a way? If they're special. They're really, I don't know if we have many of those in our life. God, I'd love to have more. But the other really important thing I hear you do is you took action straight away and started to go deeper and look at things and understand things to start shifting your perspective. What were some of those first follow-on epiphanies or breakthroughs in your thinking that you started to experience as you went deeper into understanding what blockchain technology offered? And what was different than what this world could offer than what you were sort of seeing before?
0: That was a steady unfolding and it was really difficult. So we're talking many years ago and there wasn't a lot of information out there. And while the space is incredibly confusing still today, there wasn't much to go on. And so... I stumbled upon, actually, I wouldn't say stumbled upon, I worked towards a couple of tactics that really helped me through that discovery process. And it was really tough. So what I would do is every night, I would generate questions that I had about what this meant. And so I really believe in generating key questions, really honing those questions that help us understand what we're trying to discover. So I'd come up with a set of questions and every morning I would kick off my day by picking a question and immersing in it and trying to understand as much as I could. And I would go deep down the rabbit hole. I would find so many new things along the way that, you know, that night I would generate completely new key questions. And someone once asked me, "Where are all your key questions? Can I have them?" And it was too rapid and iterative. I'm not even sure where they are, and probably in sticky notes that are, are just everywhere now. It was yeah, so yeah, yeah, I
1: love it. Yeah, yeah,
0: intoxicating yeah. for me. I'm I'm driven by intellectual curiosity, and so it was just this infinite unfolding because this technology holds implications for how we organize, how we collaborate, our financial systems everything, every industry. And so there were endless questions and there still are. And the other thing I did because it was so overwhelming is I started a learning circle.
1: Great, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It was six women that also were curious about this. And we met twice a week, once virtually one in person and we'd share what we learned and what our perceptions were of the space. Now, it was really rocky back then in terms of learning. It was tough. I was the only survivor from that group. Actually, I haven't touched in in lately with everyone, but I was the only one who carried through the entire time and kept immersing because it was so difficult. And the third thing I would do was go to events continually. And I'd go to events completely outside of my area, outside of my industry, outside of my technical comfort zone. And I would... Immerse in them and eventually things would click. But probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life is, at least from a career perspective, was to immerse in that uncomfortable state of absorbing so much at once. But it was incredibly rewarding.
1: Well, look at the tactics you're describing are fantastic. This idea of writing down questions every day and going through them and seeing where the rabbit hole goes in many respects and capturing and reflecting. I've no doubt. I'm sure all the listeners are going such saying, I'd love to see those questions too as well. Right. Maybe there's a product there. Who knows? It's really fascinating just to hear that process, but also talk about these other mechanisms, the learning group. I think that's one of these things that's for me, that's been massively helpful for me in many sort of new things when I started a business for the first time, having a group of peers who were going on that journey with me in their own path, obviously, but sharing the discovery of what's hard about it, what's difficult about it. It's uncertain and you're learning your way through it, right? That's such a powerful mechanism as well. And then as you're saying this almost like wider perspective again, then is to go to communities that are gathering around these topics. and hear multiple different perspectives again. So it's really fascinating here, the learning at different levels, both your own personal mechanisms to drive your curiosity, as well as with a small group of peers that you can trust and learn together with, and then the sort of wider community. This is really nice to underline those tactics because they're so powerful, even as other people are probably sitting there going, well, how do I get started? They could start Using this process, you've even just described it. what are their questions? What are your two or three questions? Writing them down and, and starting the process. I just think it's really actionable for people.
0: And I want to emphasize that this does not stop. So I have been educating on this space for five years now. Yeah. So I've been working in it a while. The tactics that I just shared with you are now more important than ever. Because what's happening is a lot of the tools in the space are open source. We have communities around the globe that are building with these open tools. There's an incredible amount of sharing. So do you know what that means? Is it means the pace of innovation is absolutely staggering. So what that means is that we are at the point where a single human cannot keep up with all of the innovation that's happening. So actually burnout is a huge problem in the space. And I've seen many people who Our young don't have to worry about kids or pets or houseplants complaining that they can't keep up in the space, even though they're spending, even on a single small sliver, even though they're spending 17 hours a day on it. So it's incredibly challenging. And I have a hypothesis that the best way to move forward in a situation like that, and this will happen, it's not just in the blockchain space, it's across all areas of technology, because this is how it works now, is it moves really fast. Is that the success will go to those who are best able to ingest and absorb fastest and the highest quality information. And so I think that establishing really good networks for learning is really essential to that. So I actually bring the learning circles into my world today. So I set up various learning circles in different areas that I feel warrant diving into. And it's Very difficult to reserve the time to do this, but every time I do it is incredibly fruitful. We have some structured ways to go about sharing our information and insights and learning from each other. And I can't emphasize enough the importance of doing that on a go forward basis for now to it forever.
1: Yeah, forever. (laughs) As you say, yeah, like one of the inspirations for writing on Learn was the recognition that we are literally experiencing exponential curves in terms of how technology is both adopted. Blockchain technology, possibly one of the most exponential curves we've ever seen in terms of adoption. And your point on burnout, I hear a lot. A number of friends who are leaders on some projects tell me about the amount of requests they have from people who might be on Discord channels for updates and information. They, they almost want to millisecond feed of what's happening now, what's happening now, what's happening now is overwhelming. Like they had to hire 40. One of my good friends is one of the leaders on Crypto Chicks, and she's literally had to go out and find 40 people just to moderate their Discord channel, and it's still not even enough to answer the level of responses that they're getting. The burnout factor, and she shares this as well, like she's a you know, first-time mom, trying to build out this project. She has a lot of constraints and commitments that, are, that she has to live up to, as well as try and work on this project. It's fascinating and hard, as you say. And then this idea of how important it is to create groups, to learn topics and share the content in a very specific manner that makes it usable for everybody else. It's really interesting, the subtleties of what you're sharing here too, as well, is a structured way to communicate your insights so people can take action with them and do something with them because there's so much uh, contrary information that people might hear and how do you know what's good quality information to, I like this idea of ingesting. Because you also have to then adapt your behavior based on the information that comes in. It's like, what are you then going to do differently? Something that you thought was true is now maybe untrue or obsolete. So how is that going to shift your behavior is always really interesting, that concept. So tell me, you've also on the community level, you've just come back from a whole series of events around the world, everything from South by Southwest to Europe and various different other regions across the globe. What was your sort of temperature check, your sense for how people are coping or starting to experiment or or understand what this technology is offering the world?
0: So we're at an interesting point right now, and it's particularly messy. So the industry, to your point, changes every couple of months. And what we thought was true can change quite rapidly. And so the events are important. What I'm noticing is a real premium is placed on sharing insight among the community members, and so that's particularly helpful. But there's also, I guess, in a way that we we all have to reconcile some of. There's a great number of bad actors also that are leveraging these technologies to do scams and such. So it's it's very difficult because that's a very messy space trying to navigate what's happening, trying to keep bad actors away. And also we're many years into this technology. There have been great advancements in what's possible. And another thing that I'm noticing that is really top of mind in a lot of these conversations is the fact that the technology itself holds the power to really flip and morph what we knew To be possible in so many different dimensions. There's a lot of exploration about what that means and what the implications of that will be. And this is extremely important exploration. In fact, I would like to see a lot more of it. I'd like to see a lot more of it come from different kinds of voices, different disciplines. A lot of that is coming from technologists, but I think that we need more functional areas and sources of expertise involved in those. If you look at the core of the technology, it can completely change who holds the power, who holds the control, where innovation comes from, what is possible from a community or an individual versus a formal organization. And so this is really uncharted territory. And we're decentralizing, decentralization, which is underscores a lot of what blockchain makes possible is an ongoing journey and we don't know how to do it well. And so a lot of the messiness that I referred to is also the things that can go wrong as we learn. And this is another thing that adds another layer dimension of needing to continually unlearn and relearn and unlearn again with this particular technology is that It's almost like there's a global laboratory of experiments with what to do with this. It comes back to seeing what's working, what's not working, ingesting and improving that. That's where it needs to be. And so that's the best events are the ones that are really diving into that in a substantive way. And not all are, but those are the best events.
1: I love this. It's almost like you're describing the sort of messy middle of many innovation approaches. We're figuring out what the hell this thing means.
0: It's really messy.
1: Yeah, right. And and as you say, it's in the open. There's thousands of simultaneous experiments, if you will, running. Some nefarious, some actually have really positive and strong intent, right? And it's hard to pick and understand what are good things to look for, what are things to look out for. I'm sure you have some opinions yourself on maybe some examples of projects that you thought started well, but then went off track. For people who are going through this process, what should they be looking for to understand if something is moving in a positive direction or could be nefarious? Or what are some of the, the things you're a little heuristic to start looking at different projects to understand which ones to follow or be part of?
0: Well, first, I'll make the point that we can learn from every project, even when things go wrong. So what's important is to actually spend some time really diving in and learning and understanding for yourself. So one thing that I actually, is very accessible and easy to do now is to join some DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations that are in an area of interest that you have. And so when you join a series of DAOs, you'll see a range of what is working well and what's not working well. And One of the challenges is as you do that, you have to be really cautious. You have to be really careful not to click links, for example, because there are bad actors that get involved everywhere. So you have to be careful. But this is a wonderful way to do some applied learning and actually see it for yourself. One of the first DAOs that I got, I really became absolutely enraptured to follow was Constitution Dow, which has been talked about at great lengths. And I remember coming home from an event in Barcelona and my suitcase was full, you know, it's still full. I, I rolled it in, flipped open my computer just to see what emails I'd missed. It happened to open on Twitter. I saw a mention on this. This was on a Saturday. The team that had created Constitution ConstitutionDAO started that work on a Thursday. So it was just early on, I remember standing there, standing up in the kitchen with my shoes still on and my suitcase still packed for a long time, diving in and trying to understand what's going on here and spending time in the Discord, listening to the talk, seeing what was working, seeing where it was flailing because it was an extremely difficult undertaking. The learnings from that were immense. I see something that happens as people come into the space where they almost divide into camps of this space is good or this is bad. And of that course, is yeah,
1: the easy way people categorize super, things.
0: Super dangerous because what that does is that shuts you off from learning
1: new information. And so
0: yeah. I didn't buy into constitution Dow. But I followed the journey and came away with a lot of incredible information and insight that I hope will be helpful to others, you know, as I continue on in my journey. If you're able to hold a healthy skepticism and an opened mind in the same space, which is extremely difficult to do, you have the most intense opportunity for learning right in front of you for the taking. That's a very difficult thing to actually accomplish.
1: (laughs) I couldn't agree more. It's really difficult to reserve judgment and stay curious about where something will go. It's a really difficult skill and very hard to master, let alone practice. It's really interesting as well as you talk. about. So we had Janae Duane on the show and she has also built this sort of like a canvas for actually creating DAOs or decentralized autonomous organizations and framing about like what's the mission of the DAO and its incentive structure and how people could be part of it and it's really interesting to sort of see that tool that she's created or listen to that show that we did together was was really fun about how to go down this path one of the things i always feel that's sort of in part of going into this world is you have to play the game you have to get active you cannot learn on the sideline so downloading the Discord and joining a DAO server to see the conversation. It's a small investment of your time or your energy, but the gift, as you say, is information, learning. You start to observe these sorts of things. I always say with people when, if they're interested to understand, or certainly what I did with cryptocurrency is, I looked at it, I didn't understand it. One of my best friends spent at least two hours trying to explain to me Why I should buy cryptocurrency in like 2016. And I just, it just was not landing to me. I did not get it. And the thing I didn't do that I, in retrospect, I know I should have is make a small step. I should have listened to that conversation and went, okay, look, I don't really understand this, but show me how to do it. Maybe I could buy like $10 worth of Bitcoin at that stage. And Make a small investment. So what does it take to do that? What does it take to set up a wallet, to go to an exchange, to purchase something and put it in a wallet? All of these are are small sort of safe to fail steps. Like how much? $10 was something I could have lost easily, but the learning I would have got out of it at that time would have been exponential. Eventually, after banging my head against the wall long enough, true to what I should have done, but didn't, you know, interestingly at the time, but that's how you learn, right? Have a little bit of skin in the game and start to experience these things. And, you know, that's the advice I often give to others and didn't take in that moment myself, which is kind of funny, but it's really important, I think, as part of the process.
0: It totally nails it because it's interesting, like you go in and you start doing this in an applied way and, it's so much richer than an article you can read. You all of a sudden, so much more clicking happens in terms of understanding. And I think another thing that's really important in what you've just outlined is that you get a really wonderful understanding of the problems and the friction in the user experience, which is, that's something that absolutely has to be resolved for adoption. And it will take some time. If you are in, in even a small way and you're seeing this happen, you also will be able to understand when there's a shift and things become easier. And that's gonna then be a precursor to adoption in a next segment, in a next segment, in a next segment. And I have been criticized when saying this before of what you just said in terms of get in the game, open a crypto wallet, join a DAO. And I've been criticized because Evidently that could be construed as give financial advice, but I am talking about putting in a small, a small amount. Put in twenty dollars, see what happens, go bid on some NFTs, see what happens there, mint an NFT, experiment in different ways. And the learning again will just flow from there. It's really important to start getting some skin in the game.
1: Yeah, and I think also it brings up another one, the points though which I think is a misnomer of the whole space, that the highlight reels always seem to be based around financial upside that some magical can create for you. But I think what we're talking about here is like learning what a technology offers. What capabilities could this technology unlock or unblock to your, your term of, yeah, your fantastic book, right? Is how can we change the way that we interact with one another? that we build trust with one another, that we collaborate. Constitution now was a group of people coming together because they believed or wanted to buy an uh, example of the U.S. Constitution, right? Our own mistake in it. And how else could you organize people digitally in such a way where it was very clear who was contributing, what they were doing, and shared ownership of some artifact across hundreds of, say millions of people What an interesting way to sort of programmatically create a a digital sort of agreement about how that would operate, a set of policies and procedures that anybody could read and have clarity on. As you said, started on Thursday, and by Saturday, you could see already there was a movement of hundreds of thousands of people to be, be part of it. That's what's fascinating, the speed, the scale, the accuracy, the fidelity that technology offers auditability, observability, all these fabulous things that it offers that are hard in some of the current systems that we have for operating and, and running governance. And I think, again, that's what's fascinating is those types of capabilities, not like whether a price goes up or price goes down of a certain coin on a Monday or a Friday. Like That seems what grabs the attention rather than actually what the underlying technology potentially offers people. So what are your thoughts on that?
0: Absolutely, and and the one thing that's interesting is that the price speculation has at least attracted people to engage in the space that maybe normally wouldn't. And so, those could be bad actors, but it also could be people where it got their attention and it makes them want to learn because it seems so myth busting. (laughs) This is possible if you just think about think about the Bitcoin blockchain. So. I don't know the price today, but you know, there's some $800 billion worth of value that is being safely secured and exchanged among strangers on that blockchain only by code. There is no organization. There's no person involved. There's nobody in charge. It's just code. And then you extend that to anything that you could do in any, to any kind of industry, and a whole new possible is now in front of us. And so, when we're talking about DAOs, we're talking about Constitution DAO. What we saw there was just some very early indications of how a network community could quickly hold financial power and interact with traditional organizations. You know, it ended with an auction at Sotheby's. We have just begun to see the start of the kinds of tooling and infrastructure that is going to be available to these communities and in terms of how to run voting and, you know, how to enforce voting, what are some of the best practices to organize or collaborate in this way? Is there some kind of a hybrid model where there are elected boards or executive roles that are accountable in a transparent way to the community? There are tools now to token gate various parts of say a discord channel so that if you hold a token you can go into a special area and have conversations with the other community members there there are ways to distribute compensation based on key performance indicators that are measured so it's just what will be the potential for how we can collaborate using this kind of technology we are only at the very earliest stages of and This is the area this year that I want to do the most learning and unlearning about because it is incredible to see the laboratory of innovation of people working to use this technology to support the way they execute against a mission or a goal, even with strangers. And so this is one of the most, I think, exciting areas of the space right now. And I feel like that says a lot because there's so many (laughs) but if you're not experimenting with it now in some kind of applied way i think you'll be very blindsided in 3 to 5 years i think it's important to come inside in some way and start understanding what this could mean start thinking about what this could mean and even though it's extremely messy and doesn't look so pretty right now
1: it's super fascinating that with- so we're in the midst of creating a venture studio at the moment. It's nobody's studios. We're trying to do a hundred companies in the next five years. And one of the choices we made early was that we would do equity crowdfunding. So we'll be the first venture studio to ever do that. The goal being that traditionally only high net worth individuals can invest in early stage companies. You have to be an accredited investor. With equity crowdfunding, any retail investor, so anyone with a, a couple of hundred bucks can can own a piece of a private company. Very difficult, has never really been done before. Really excited about making that innovation. But when you extrapolate it further about what's happening in this crypto world, where people are forming these notional companies under DAOs, describing their operating principles and policies that anyone can read, you then start to look at ways about how they can incentivize people to contribute to the company in very very specific ways that are auditable and trackable. Because most people are used to these notions of ways to earn. I go to work, I do my nine to five, I've worked hours and I earn cash. Hurrah, I get paid that, good. But what's really interesting, I think for me in the Web3 world is there's other ways that are starting to show up. The ways people can contribute, where you can contribute a bounty, improve the code somehow. And as as a result of that, you're distributed some tokens because you solved the problem that the DAO had. And here's some extra tokens for for doing that, brilliant. Even investing in the coin created by a DAO, funds that you're self-funding the entity in itself. Investing to earn, super really, like creating to earn. The whole idea of building, the people who run and manage these DAOs or mint NFTs, they're all interesting ways to fund things that you believe in, missions that you believe in, and you own part of that mission, that that institution, that entity that you're creating from the start. So it's suddenly people are now playing in terms of they're almost like angel investors in the traditional world that we think about, right? And in gaming, we see play to earn. So people who are, instead of spending hours in World of Warcraft, You can actually start playing games and you'll be recognized or rewarded for that or places like Decentralized Land where they're encouraging people to go and use and be in there and they'll be rewarded for that with tokens from that entity or the participation to earn. This stuff just blows my mind where one of my friends was really interested in art. So he found this project called Super Rare, which is for buying and selling really early pieces of art and because he went on to super rare and just saw that project thought it was interesting bought his first nft there has it printed out up on his wall and at home it's kind of funny it's the first nft i bought but because he had participated in that project super rare then sent him a bunch of coins to say thanks for doing that like here's some coins be part of our community but growing uh people you know appetite to keep participating or even You can go onto Coinbase and they'll pay you to learn about crypto, right? So that whole notion of being paid to learn, that's a total flip. Most people are used to, oh, I have to learn by going onto Wikipedia and spending all my time on it or purchase a course and do the course and learn about it. But now we're seeing these entities saying, no, we'll reward you for learning about this space and we'll give you. A crypto asset as a result of doing that. Even that in itself is a huge sort of shift in behavior. The ways people can earn now for their investment, time, energy, our money, whatever it is, there's so many ways to invest. Like you say, it's about gaining information. That is sort of fascinating to me in terms of some of these shifts. And there's
0: another undercurrent too in what you're talking about. And there's an opportunity to have this ongoing relationship with members of the community or an organization and people who are engaged in that organization or in that network. And not always, but many times there's also this sense of, it's not just financial reward, but it's a sense of, you were alluding to this, a sense of belonging, a sense of connection. I was just blessed to be able to witness the first in real life meeting by chance, of a lawyer who had entered a DAO because he was interested in the DAO's work and had found it so interesting that he decided to contribute some of his time and help out with some contracts for that DAO. And I was there when he met the founder for the first time and they made the connection that this person was actually the person with a a Discord handle that she didn't know who the person was behind it.
1: Yeah, legal 4783. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. And I mean, the people around him when they heard the story did clap. And I sat down with him after because I was really curious. You're a lawyer. You're highly paid. Why did you volunteer to spend time in this DAO to do work for them? I think there might have been some compensation, but it wasn't something that he could really take to the bank. So... I asked him why he did it. And he said that he really valued what the DAO was providing. And what he saw was he saw this transpire, and he realized I can make a contribution here. I can help. And that was what compelled him to get more involved and to spend time. And I find myself doing that too, where I'll get taken in by really wanting to contribute. And so that's how I prioritize where I spend my time more so than financial compensation, because what we all crave is connection, belonging. And this also gives us an opportunity to activate that desire in new ways and to get involved with communities that we believe in.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. We talk a lot about in the studio of this notion of crowd-infused innovation, where you're connecting so deeply with people's why. Why? They want to see certain companies in the world. They want to work on climate tech products, but they're working in a high frequency trading app at the moment. Or how do they be part of those journeys and the power of the crowd of community to solve big problems? I love this notion. Sometimes you hear people talk about in the space of you can go to the big brain. I mean, everybody who's part of the community to answer this question. We see this as well. Like when we, Throw questions to our crowd, trying to find really difficult uh, lawyer advice in a specific country that maybe none of us in the room or initial conversation have any idea how to find. You put it to our crowd, and suddenly you get like seven recommendations of either people to talk to or an answer. It is fabulous. That is amazing innovation. People's voices are so much more heard. This is again one of the things I think that's kind of fun about almost the anonymity this space, the example you were sharing, like we'll we'll just call them handle Lawyer465. You don't know who that person is. Like You're not judging them by their appearance, their race, their ethnicity, their gender. You're judging them by the behavior and the contribution. This is one of the things that was always fascinating to me about games is because games also provide that if you're in World of Warcraft, you don't know if it's a seven year old leading the charge on the castle and you're following them, or if they're whoever they are, you don't know. They're a character, and you're following them based on their behavior. What you're observing is good leadership. Similarly, in the East O's, you have people making contributions based on merit, that you're looking at their behavior, their contribution, their attitude, the way they respond. Really, really interesting way to sort of observe excellence, because you're not looking at the individual. It's legal 4765, or, you know, robo-angel-7575 you don't know, you can't judge on these people. So I think that's another fascinating space for what that means for us too. Personally, that I'm like you say, there's so many things to be curious about in this space. That was one that struck me as you were sharing that story.
0: Absolutely. And of course, there's a flip side to being anonymous as well. So there can be a lot of toxic behavior that comes out of that. But one of the things I think about is, and this is Part of open mind and healthy skepticism. There's always, we always need to think through all these angles. But on the optimistic side, one thing I wonder about is several years into the future when it's more commonplace to contribute time towards a a DAO or a, a mission through a DAO. I wonder if we'll find a state where everyone's individual experience and skills that they can contribute is more optimized. And so people might find this more fulfilling if they can more closely fit what their interests are and what their skills are with what they can contribute to a DAO. You're essentially taking out friction in one's ability to, to offer contribution to moving something forward. So. In today's organization, we're we're put in such static roles, and there's such a static path, and it's more often than not you commit yourself, your entire self, to a a single organization, where we are much more rich people with higher ranges of interest and activities. And imagine a future where I can explore all those different areas, and I can make a living doing that. That's a very exciting interpretation of the future. And I think it will be difficult to get there. Some people will, some people won't. But I think it's really interesting to think about that possibility.
1: Well, it's so funny. I just published a blog called How to Build a Portfolio Career for the Fractional Future of Work. Well, there we go. (laughs) Well, it's literally all inspired by everything what you just said. Because so much of our life has been nine to five, one job, one big bet that defines me. I'm a lawyer, I'm a nurse, I'm a whatever, right? And that's my life. Even if you're in the other job, don't talk about that you're in a band on the weekend, or don't talk about like anything that might be off the company line, because then are you really contributing your your full capacity to the company? But the world's not like that. People have so many interests you're made up of many different parts and the opportunity to pursue all those different parts of yourself i like coding for some part of my time and energy i like making kombucha and selling it for some part of my other part of my energy i like it that's who we are and this the way that we can start to explore this world is all of those things you can make a reality and maybe even be rewarded for them if you choose as you say that's fascinating side hustles are becoming people's full-time jobs now, or they don't have to have one job, they can have many of these different things that they're interested in. And I think that's more of our nature rather than this sort of unilateral choose when you're 17 before you go into university if you get the opportunity, what your career for life is. Yeah, That just sounds daunting. It does. (laughs) Even more today, you know? So it's fascinating to see this come to light. Just in One question for yourself then to close is for you, like you say, uh, there's so much happening. There's a lot to be excited and, and cautious about, but what's sort of your current thinking about what's exciting you most at the moment?
0: What I'm most interested in diving into now is really understanding how we can optimize the way we collaborate and that can be applied in many different ways but how I look at it is we are facing some of the most complex global issues that we ever have this is only going to become more pronounced and if we don't find a way to collaborate across organizations and borders I don't know what we'll do and so I'd say that I find hope in the technology if we can learn how to use it well to be able to meet some of our our most complex challenges or at least make some progress on them.
1: Right on, that's all I can say to that. Listen, Austin, it's always great to talk to you. It's been fantastic to have you in the show, sharing some really fantastic tips and insights about how people can get started in this space, but just great ways to explore learning and understanding. And so thank you very much for sharing that. And yeah, I look forward to maybe having the show future again.
0: Yeah. What a pleasure to talk to you. And I have a blog post of yours to read. I can't wait.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. I look forward to hearing your response on that too. Wonderful. Hey, take care. Thank you.